0: Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. I'm going to read the 84th Psalm. The 84th Psalm. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are to be here. Thank you for faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that after 35 years, we are still here, we are still ministering, we are still impacting people's lives. We are grateful for those that have been saved and discipled and healed and delivered in the walls of this building, we believe that you've only just begun, that you've only scratched the surface, that, Lord, we are going to continue to move forward in your grace and your calling upon our lives. Thank you for the Word of God today. May we not take it for granted. May your your Word hit our hearts, and may it change us. May we see and hear what you want us to see and hear today, and we give you thanks for it all in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Psalm 84, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, but it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a, a home, and the swallow, a nest for herself, when she may lay her, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I want to share a message with you this morning. I've entitled, I Would Rather. Psalm 84 is one of my favorite psalms, and I pray that you get are encouraged by it today and that you do find some strength within it and that God's Word finds a place to penetrate into your heart. And when I think about I would rather, have you ever played the game of would you rather? You ever asked those questions before? I I have a few questions I'm going to ask you here this morning. You can answer them or you can stare at me, whichever one you want to do. All right. So, would you rather lose the ability to read or lose the ability to speak? Now, there are some of you that know you that would choose the one for you. Would you rather be in jail for a year or lose a year off your life? Who's going to jail? All right, (laughs) good job. (laughs) Would you rather have all traffic lights you approach be green or never have to stand in line again? Come on now. I mean, living in Canal City, it's nice to have green lights, I'll be honest with you. Would you rather only be able to use a fork or only be able to use a spoon? I might have to go with a spoon, because I can wrap all kinds of stuff up with a spoon. Can't eat soup with a fork, Which you can't just drink it. Would you li- rather live without the internet or live without air conditioning and heating? Come on now. Some of you are like, I just use my data. <laughs> Finally, would you rather never be able to eat meat or never be able to eat vegetables? Come on now, that's an easy one. <laughs> there's, there's some of you that are like, I don't even know what a vegetable is. <laughs> Amen. These are questions that kind of reveal interesting and funny facts about ourselves and and the way we think, but these are not typical real-life situations. Typically, I don't have that uh, decision I have to make. Am I able to, you know, use the Internet, or am I able to use the air conditioning? uh, Do I have to eat meat, or do I only have to eat vegetables? And don't get me wrong, I like vegetables, but I mean, for God's sakes, you know, how are we supposed to conquer and and all that kind of stuff if we don't eat some meat? And I'm sorry for all the vegetarians and vegans and all that stuff. God bless you, and we're all going to the same heaven, and... and, uh, I'm just gonna enjoy it more on the way there, right? I'm just gonna enjoy my trip a whole lot better on the way there. And there's really no right or wrong answer to any of these questions. You know, like would you rather? I mean, I've seen people like getting really mad and like, what are you talking about? You know, it's just it's just a question, all right? It's just something to have fun with, right? But in real life, when you say, I would rather, we are revealing something about us. Because the phrase indicates a conscious choice. It indicates something that you are choosing. Because all of us have obligations. We all have duties. We all have responsibilities that we must perform. Why? Because we are adults. Some of us are taking a long time to get there, but we're all adults, And because of that, we know that because we are adults and because we are responsible people, we have things that we have to do. There are certain things that must be done even when we don't want to do them. Am I right? I mean, I I don't know anybody that's excited about paying bills. Yay, the utilities are here! Right? I'm going to pay the utilities you know, and, and most of the time, most of us go to work. Why? Because we have utilities. Because we've got air conditioning and Wi-Fi and heating, right, and steak. We have utilities. And so we work because we have to do that, and we're responsible people, and we show up at work, and we do our job. And we, if we're parents, we have kids that we're supposed to take care of, or, Or they may burn the house down. We are supposed to be responsible people. So we do those things. Why? Because this is a sign of maturity. All right. But when it comes to our free time, when we get to make a choice, what we would rather do is a very revealing moment. What we would rather do when we have the choice to do what we want to do reveals something about us. It can reveal who or what we truly love. It can reveal what we are really passionate about, what is important or valuable to us. It can can reveal what we prioritize in our lives. What is most important to us can be seen by what we would rather do. Not necessarily about what we have to do, because some of those things, we all do that. But what we would rather do reveals what's important to us. If you are one option among many, you ever felt that way before? you ever felt like you're one option among a whole lot of other options? If you're one option among many and your spouse chooses you, then that means that that's an indication of their heart for you, or vice versa. If you're one of many options and they don't choose you, it also shows their heart towards you. If you have friends that you would rather hang out with, it indicates who's important, who's valuable to you. If you have options of places you could be, and, and, and you choose, you indicate what you would rather do, then that tells folks where or what you might enjoy. Anytime there are multiple options of things you can do, we almost always come down to this question. What would you rather do? Have you ever, you ever done that before? Here are all your options. This is what we can do. What would you rather do? Because sometimes we want to answer the question because we're trying to please somebody else. Well, what's everybody else want to do? Right? We've all been in that circle of where we're going to go eat. Right? Have you ever wanted to punch someone just over the conversation of where you want to eat? That ever happened to you? Where do you want to go eat? Nah, I don't care. Well, let's go to Wendy's. I don't like Wendy's. Oh, let's go to Taco Bell. I just had Mexican. Oh, well, let's go to the Cracker Barrel. I don't like barrels. So you... It's like, then don't tell me you don't care. Because you do, and You're lying. What would you rather do? Because saying what I would rather do indicates what is important to me. It's what's valuable to me. It's what I love. It's what I'm passionate about. Psalm 84, as you read it and as you look at it, you can tell it's a very passionate psalm. It's a revealing declaration of the hearts written by the sons of Korah. They were believed to be singers and worship leaders uh, of the the nation of Israel. It's a very interesting story because if you know the story of Korah, um, Korah rebelled against Moses. And the Bible says that the ground opened up and swallowed him. So Korah's sons probably were grateful that I didn't die with Dad. So they turned into praise leaders, right? So the sons of Korah are passionate about God. And this whole psalm revolves around their passionate desire for the house of God. And more importantly, for the presence of God. Verse 10 is a a fairly well-known verse, and it gives us a good overview of the writer's love for God. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Really, both of these statements are I would rather do phrases. And we have to ask ourselves these questions. Would you rather spend one day in the intensity of the presence of God or thousands of days anywhere else? Would you rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God or dwell in the tents of wickedness? How would we answer these questions? The sons of Korah made a a powerful declaration. When you think about elsewhere, where else could I be? The sons of Korah said, I would rather spend one day in the house of God, one day in the intensifying, life-changing presence of God, than thousands elsewhere. Some of you are like, you mean they would choose it over the beach? One day. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. This year we have been called to a pursuit, and I wanted to come back to this as we're talking about our 35th year. At the beginning of this year, we talked about being in pursuit of God. The pursuit of knowing God, of experiencing God, of growing in God's grace, growing in God's power, and experiencing Him. Not just knowing about him. Not just having a head knowledge of what it means to be a Christian. Not just being a church goer or a good person. But someone who is passionately pursuing the presence of God. And I want to encourage you here this morning. It is very easy to be distracted from that pursuit. Some of us may have started out this year with resolutions. That we were going to pray more and read our Bible more. And we were going to hang out with Christians more. And we were going to worship more. But somewhere through this year... We've gotten distracted, we've gotten busy, we've gotten pulled off the trail, we went in the wrong direction, we've lost some of our excitement, we've lost some of our fire. And I want to encourage you here this morning that the psalmist here in Psalm 84 declares his passionate pursuit of God is what defines who he is and defines where he is going. Does our heart say amen to the deep desires that are revealed? In this psalm about the house of God and about the presence of God. I am grateful, as I said here this morning, about Living Faith Church and where God has brought us. But we cannot sit, at, sit back and be satisfied with just coming to church on Sunday and looking at a beautiful sanctuary. We need to come to this place expecting and knowing that this is part of our pursuit to know God, to press into God, and to experience God. Look at some of the things the psalmist says here. How lovely is your tabernacle. My soul longs. It even faints. The psalmist longed to be in God's house. And he even felt like that he was going to faint if he was denied the privilege of meeting with God and meeting with God's people. He said, My flesh and my heart cry out. Everything within him longed for God's house, longed to be in God's presence. But it wasn't just the temple. He had an appetite, the Bible says, for the living God. And this reminds us, folks, why we gather in this place in the first place. Why we pursue God. Why we come to church. We don't want to come to church with the wrong motives or in the wrong way. We come to meet with the living God. We don't come with the primary focus upon programs or social connections or entertainment or excitement or what we can gain for ourselves. We come with the primary focus and the primary expectation of meeting with the living God. We are standing on holy ground when the people of God gather in this building. The presence of the Lord is here. He's worthy of our worship, our praise, our pursuit, our surrender, our giving, our service. He is that King. The passionate desire for the house of God and His presence should not only define our pursuit, but it should fuel our motivation of everyday lives. I would rather, the psalmist said. I would rather. Would we rather? Better is one day. Just one day in your house. How many of you have experienced the presence of God and He's changed you? If you're born again, then you have. (laughs) If you haven't experienced that change, then maybe you're just a church goer. But in the presence of God, everything can change in a moment. Man, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that when Jesus shows up, everything changes. Man, there's so much beautiful about the story of Lazarus. But one of my favorite phrases in the entire. Story of Lazarus. You know, Mary and Martha, you know, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He Lazarus has been dead. He's been dead four days. They are weeping. They are they are moaning. Lazarus is gone. Jesus shows up. It's too late. There's no possible way he could come back to life. Oh, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me shall never die. And I'm so thankful for that powerful thing. But what I love about Jesus is he says, Take me to the tomb. Take me to the dead body. Take me to your hopelessness. Take me to your pain. Take me to where you need your miracle. I'm grateful that when Jesus shows up, there's no stone, there's no death, there's no devil that can stand in the way of the power of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells in the hearts of God's people. I would rather be in the presence of God See, the doorkeeper was not always noticed. He didn't carry a title. But the doorkeeper was always the first one to show up and the last one to leave. The doorkeeper loved the house of God so much, I'm going to be the first one to show up and I'm going to be the last one to leave. Some translations actually interpret this phrase to mean a beggar at the entrance of the temple. That the psalmist is actually saying, I would rather be a beggar At the entrance of the temple than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. There was a beggar that was dwelling at the temple gate in Acts chapter 3. And faith came to church one day. And though he had been crippled for over 40 years, Peter, Peter looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That guy was in a good place. He had never walked before. He was a beggar. He had always known that lifestyle. But he was in the right place at the right time and came in contact with faith because he was a beggar at the temple of, the, of God. And you may feel like sometimes you're on the outside just hoping you can get in. But when you see the house of God, when you see the presence of God, His anointing, His power, His healing, His strength is available. Every day. Every day we would agree we are inundated with choices. Life is all about choices. When you, when you think about how sin has compli- complicated everything, I think I mentioned before, you know, if you think about it, in the Garden of Eden, they had one choice. One. Don't eat from that tree. You can do everything else. You can have everything you want. Just don't touch the tree. But when they rebelled against God and the world was thrown into chaos, now we're full of choices. Every day we're inundated. With choices. There are constant voices vying for our attention, pulling at our affections. How many of you have had those days where your phone won't stop ringing, the doorbell won't stop ringing, people won't quit coming into your office, somebody, doesn't, somebody wants this, somebody needs this, somebody needs you to go here. Your kids are crying, the, the cat's meowing, the dog's chewing on your foot. You're vi- everybody's vying for your attention, pulling at your affections. We are bombarded by the good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly every single day of our lives. And then we have an enemy in the devil who wants to oppose us. Our flesh is longing to be satisfied as we daily struggle against temptation and sin. The world is trying to win us over and distract us from our true convictions through compromise. We have to ask ourselves, what, what would you rather have? Or maybe even better, who would you rather have? Yeah. Who would you rather have? Because as we stand every day with choices, with our flesh rising up within us, with the world pulling at our affections every day, the question is being asked, who would you rather have? Who would you rather have? Better is one day. One day. I would rather be a doorkeeper. The Bible says in Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is not just a choice that we made because we've knelt at an altar one day or prayed a prayer driving down the road or in your home or wherever it is that you gave your life to Christ. This is not just a choice that you made because the grace of God had called to you and you said yes to His grace and repented of your sins. This is a daily choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and the materialistic pursuits of the world. You can't choose God and compromise on the same side because Jesus said you'll either love the one and hate the other. This is a choice that is a serious call to the depths of who we are. Do we choose the courts of God or any place else? Do we choose to be a doorkeeper or a beggar at the entrance of the temple or would we rather dwell in the tents of wickedness? Do our hearts look forward to the pursuit? Do our hearts look forward to devotions, to worship, to fellowship? Or do we find ourselves indifferent, skeptical, cold? You know what? It could be someone else's fault. could be. It could be that somebody else hurt you. It could be that You're frustrated at what the church has done or what the church has not done. It could be that that somebody else has done you wrong. But at the end of the day, we all stand before God alone. We all stand before God alone. And we have to decide will I choose? Will I follow after Him? Do we find ourselves wanting to know God and be known by Him? Or do we find ourselves wanting to be accepted? fit in being seen as the cool kid some of us are like ah that's only what teenagers worry about hogwash hmm. i've seen people who've proclaimed their faith on sunday and then act like everybody else at work because they want to fit in they want to be seen as cool i don't want to be judgmental i don't i don't want to i don't want to step on anybody's toes i mean Honestly, if there's no difference, then something has not happened in your life. Light has no fellowship with darkness. I would rather. What the psalmist has found out in here is that nothing else satisfied. Nothing else could fill the longing. Nothing else. It's just like when you read, when you read Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. I'm not going to ask how many of you have read Ecclesiastes. because I don't want to condemn anyone. I don't even ask you if you've heard of Ecclesiastes. Some of us don't even know how to pronounce Ecclesiastes. I used to call it Ecclesiastics. Ecclesiastes is, is written by Solomon, and it's basically written by a man who has everything. Solomon had 700 wives. And 300 concubines. He lived with a thousand women. Dear Lord. He was rich. He had wealth. He had fame. The queen of Sheba came just to see. I have heard of how amazing you are, Solomon. And he writes the book of Ecclesiastes and he says, meaningless. It's all meaningless. Vanity, the King James Version, vanity of vanities. Why? Because it's the heart of a man who has recognized that no matter what this world can give me, no matter how much money I can make, no matter how many material things I have, no matter how famous or popular I may be, it still does not satisfy the longing of my soul. The longing of our soul is only satisfied by the presence of God. We were made for His presence. We were made for His glory. And our hearts will remain restless until we find our rest in Him. This is a psalm of a pilgrim. Someone who is passing through, he's just traveling, he's a stranger to this world. Why? Because his heart belongs to another. He's a kingdom person. Verse 5 says, in whose heart are the highways of Zion? Petra wrote a song about that. The road to Zion is in your heart. There is a destination to our pursuit, folks. We don't just do this out of religious duty. We don't just do this because that's what we're supposed to do, because this is our religious exercise that we are going to perform. There is a destination, and it's the house of God. It's the presence of God. I want to just look at a few passages of Scripture in this this beautiful psalm. And I pray that you are encouraged in your continual pursuit, that you will get to a place where you can say from the depths of your heart, I would rather... I would rather. Some of you have tried it. Some of you are wanting to try it. But some of us have found out that where are we going to go? Only He has the words of eternal life. And I have to ask to ask us that question here this morning. Where are you going? If you're frustrated with your spiritual walk, if you're frustrated with church, if you're aggravated and skeptical and you seem to have lost your passion and your excitement for the things of the Lord, where are you going? Where are you going to go? In verse 3, he points out the sparrow. He says the sparrow and the swallow are going to find a home in the temple of God. The swallow is actually going to find a nest for herself around the altar of God. Jesus talks about the sparrow. The sparrow is one of the smallest of all birds. It's considered insignificant. The swallow is a a representative of restlessness. It It never stops. It's consistently flying. I want you to know here this morning that you may feel insignificant. You may feel small. You may feel like that you're not noticed. You don't have a title and nobody knows who you are. But God's got you in his hand. That God is for you and not against you. And you may feel insignificant. Or maybe your heart feels restless. Maybe you feel like you can't find peace. Maybe you feel like that you can't lay your head down at night and find rest. Because of all the chaos and the turmoil that's going on in your life. But I want you to know that in the house of God, the insignificant become significant. The restless find the rest at the altar of God that in this place you are not an outsider. You are a child of God dearly loved and he wants to bless your life. In verse 4 I like what he says there. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. He seems to be talking about the Levites who work in the house of God. He seems to be talking about the, the priests who work in the house of God. I'm, he's almost basically saying I'm jealous of you. Because I go to the house of God when we gather for worship, when we gather for our religious services. But you get to live there. You get to be there every single day. And you get to be ever singing His praises. How many of you know that once you have truly experienced the presence of God, you are ever singing the praises of God. That when you pursue His presence, you are transformed into a worshiper. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how high up the ladder you've gone in the world. When we're in the presence of God, we're all on the same ground. We're all worshipers and praisers of the one who saved us and rescued us and healed us and set us free. Verse 5 tells us that it's the road, the highways of Zion are in our hearts. Verse 6, he talks about the valley of Baca. There's a little bit of, uh, of uh, uncertainty of what they're talking about here because uh, some believe that this was a valley that was full, that was nothing but a desert. But if you look at the word baka, it's a Hebrew word that actually means weeping or sorrow. So what valley of baka actually means is the valley of weeping or the valley of sorrow. Anybody ever been there? Everybody ever been in the valley of weeping? The valley of sorrow? The valley of dryness? the valley where you feel like you're separated from God and everybody else who cares about you but look what psalm 84 says right in the middle of the valley of weeping right in the middle of the valley of sorrow right in the middle of the valley of dryness there will be there will be Pools. There will be springs. There will be water. You may feel like right now you're in the driest place of your life. But He is the living water. And out of your belly, the Bible says, shall flow rivers of living water. You don't have to stay in the valley of weeping. You don't have to stay in the valley of sorrow. You don't have to stay in the valley of dryness. If we pursue God, no matter what valley we walk through, No matter what valley we face. Always remember this. Problems are just a shadow. Problems are just a shadow. And how many of you know that shadows can't exist without light? Shadows don't exist unless there's light. The problem is is we're always focusing on the shadow instead of the light. Problems are just shadows. And honestly, problems only have authority over you to the extent that you put your faith in them. The more faith you put in how bad your problem is, it has that much more control of you. But when you turn from the shadow to the light, then you see the reality of who you are and your situation. Yes, the shadows are there, but you need to face the light. No matter what valley you find yourself in, no matter what problem you may find yourself in, it's the valley of the shadow of death. Even death itself is only a shadow Because it's been overshadowed by the conquering, risen Jesus Christ. So everything that the devil throws at us is only a shadow. It's not the reality of who we are in Jesus Christ. I like verse 7. In verse 7 it says, They go from strength to strength. Man, I, I don't know about you. Some of you guys are in really good shape. I'm not. I can run a couple miles before I decide that I would rather live. Yesterday, we took the boys squirrel hunting, climbed up a few mountains, got to a couple little shelves there, and was like, I'm done. These squirrels aren't worth it. <laughs> Breathing all hard, Avery's going, when are we going back? <laughs> Come too far to turn back now, son. But this is a traveling song, this is a psalm of a, a of A pilgrimage. And I don't know about you, but the longer you walk, the more, the, tired you be, the more tired you become. The longer you walk, the more you want to sit down. The more you want to take a break. The more you feel like you're going to faint. But that's not what the psalmist says. Not on this pilgrimage. Not in this pursuit. Not when you're in love with the, the presence of God. Not when you're pursuing God's house. You go from strength to strength. You don't go from strength to weakness. You don't go from strength to barely making it. You go from strength to strength. You go from glory to glory. You go from blessing to blessing. You go from great from light to greater light. You go from power to greater power. Amen. Amen. Strength to strength. When our passion is for God's presence. He becomes our energy. Some of us are like, man, I don't know how they get through it. Because they have found the energy of God. I don't know how you made it through that situation. Because I found the power and the energy of the presence of God. If you skip down and look at verses 11 and 12. These are powerful verses of scripture. The Lord is a sun and shield. He bestows favor or grace. He, He bestows honor or glory. No good thing. In the original Hebrew, the word thing is not actually there. So what it actually says is no good does he withhold from us. Why do we find strength in this pilgrimage? Why in this traveling, in this walking through the valley of sorrow and weeping? Why can we realize that it's not one of defeat and discouragement but one of victory, one in which we are ever singing God's praises, where we are always looking up because we know our redemption draws nigh. Why? Because he is our son. And because He is our shield, He shines on us in the darkness. He warms us when it's cold. He is our protector, and He is our keeper, and He surrounds us on every side. He opens our eyes and tells us, there's more with you than there are with them. So keep on walking, child of God. Keep on pushing forward. Don't give up. Don't look. Don't look back. Don't quit. Keep moving forward from strength. To strength, power to power, glory to glory, blessing to blessing. He's your son. He's your shield. And what does he bestow upon you? Grace, favor, honor, glory. God bestows this upon you. And he withholds no good. Why? Because he is good. Everything he does is good. And then in verse 12 it says, And wraps it all up, O Lord of hosts, blessed, happy, satisfied is the one who trusts in you. It really does come down to this. We find our fullest joy and our fullest satisfaction in trusting God. Trusting God. When we learn to trust Him, when we learn that the object of our pursuit is not what He can give us, but He Himself. Some of us, man, when we talk about this thing, when we talk about things like this, it's foreign to us. And I don't want it to be foreign to you. You know that the Lord wants you to know Him in a way that you dance in your living room? You know that He wants you to know Him in a way where you rejoice right in the middle of your work day? Where tears come to your eyes when you think about the goodness of God? That the Lord wants to know you in a way where His voice is precious to you. Where His word ignites your heart. Where your mind is stayed on Him and therefore your heart is at peace. Do you know that the Lord wants you to experience Him on an everyday basis until it explodes from your heart in worship and praise? Do you know He wants you to know Him that way? It's all found in trusting Him. So as I close here this morning, every single day, We're presented with a choice. You know, we've been here for 35 years, and I believe that we've made some good choices, we've made some bad ones. We've made some good decisions, we've made some bad decisions. We've made decisions that you agreed with and decisions that you didn't agree with. We've had people come and we've had people go. But we've seen God's faithfulness. We've done our best to hear the voice of God. We've done our best to follow after Him. But we can't stop now. There is never a time that we sit back on what we have already done. We always move forward. We're always pressing in. We always want to hear God's voice. And so every day, we're presented with a choice. And I'll be honest with you, I don't always make that choice. I don't always make the choice to pursue. Instead, I make the choice to allow frustration to overtake me. Skepticism. Anger. Unforgiveness. Doubt. I allow that to overtake me instead of the, the pursuit. But the psalmist says, If I'll make him my son and shield, he'll bestow upon me favor and grace, glory and honor. That I will be blessed because the road to Zion is in my heart. I would rather have Jesus. Is that really true? I know there's that old hymn, I would rather have Jesus than anything. And we sing it and we lift our hands and we cry. But is it true? You know, if it isn't, then what has captured us? What has distracted us? Because let my rather be for him and him alone. I would rather have Jesus. I would rather have Jesus. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we can't stop thanking you for 35 years of faithfulness. We can't stop thanking you for 35 years of, of your goodness and your grace, of your hope and your strength. We can't stop thanking you, God, for supplying all of our needs, for saving to the uttermost, for healing and restoring and renewing. We can't thank you enough. But, Lord, may our lives not be based upon just the blessings that we receive. May our lives be based upon our pursuit of you and your presence. May our homes be a place where we experience your glory, where we experience your favor. May times of devotion direct and guard our hearts. Lord, may we be a people who are revival in and of ourselves. Lord, remind us of the pursuit. Remind us, O God, of the pursuit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to sing a worship song here in just a moment. And if you're in this building here today, you're not right with God. And you know that you're not right with God. Maybe at one time you had a relationship with Jesus, but your heart has grown cold. and Only you and the Lord know that. We may be able to fake everyone out, but Jesus knows your heart. Unfortunately, there are going to be many who stand before Jesus one of these days and say, But didn't we do that? All of these things in your name. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. We may say here this morning that we know Jesus. But it might be more important to ask, does he know you? Have you hidden yourself so well behind years of pain and heartache? Have you hidden yourself so well behind years of doubt and skepticism and uncertainty? Has the world pulled at your heart and you find yourself compromising your convictions and you've hidden your heart from God? He still knows you. If you're not right with God here today, whether you've never made Christ the Lord of your life or you need to make things right with God, I'm asking you not to say no to His conviction. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Take this opportunity. Make this eternal choice. And if you're in this room today, church, and you're losing your passion, you've grown indifferent, you've grown cold, you've allowed compromise to seep into your heart, and you can hear it in the way you talk, you can see it in the way you act, you notice it in the way you think. If you've lost your passion, if you've lost your hunger for the things of God, would you hear his voice today? Don't run. Choose you this day whom you will serve. So we sing this worship song if you need prayer for any reason. This altar's open. If you need a healing in your body, you need a touch from God. You need Him to ignite a fire and a hunger and an appetite for God in your heart today. Let's pray. Let's believe God. We believe in a healing Jesus. So hear His voice today and obey.